Hey everyone, I'm Adepeju and I'm here with Adenike, Donna, Sophia, and this is Group Chat. We are the Brazen Foursome, turning our saucy group texts into colorful group chats. We'd like to start off this episode by thanking both our first-time and returning listeners. Uh, we also want to thank everyone who sent love, support, and honestly kind compliments our way. We have been eating it all up. So if you want to share more feedback with us, just email thisisgroupchat at gmail.com or talk to us on social media. We're up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, let's get through our rundown for this episode. I will be doing the intro today and asking a deep question. And Adenike? I'll be doing the sizzle where I'll talk about blackness on campus. And Donna? I will be discussing online dating with the I Can't Even segment. And I'll be discussing hashtag new year, new you. Basically, all the things that you see yourself accomplishing in the new year, and that will bring you to the next level. So I'm sure everyone out there is curious what the Brazen Foursome have been up to lately. Well, Donna, Adnika, and Sophia have been chatting almost nonstop about this party they went to on New Year's Eve. Ladies, Uh (laughs) want to tell our listeners about this fun New Year's Eve adventure I wasn't part of? (laughs) I feel like it was the party that we almost didn't get into, right? We almost didn't go to. Right. But it was the party that we had been saying that we wanted to go to. So from our mouths to God's ears, it kind of came through clutch, but it almost didn't quite happen. (laughs) Because we were exchanging messages like, what are you doing for New Year's? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. So on New Year's Eve, Sophia said that she had a Brooklyn house party to go to, and I felt like this was my ideal way of spending New Year's, because I wanted to do something low-key, something with my homegirls, and I felt like this fit perfectly into that. So we drove up to the site where we were going to be partying at, and we had no address, no no apartment number. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow, some way, we devised a clever little plan on how to get into this party. Not um, we, you. <laughs> Donna Donna was definitely the the trailblazer. (laughs) Yes, I devised a clever little plan on how to get into the party. I think it's best if we share the full details of this saucy <laughs> of this saucy little outing on our Twitter. So if you can just follow us at this is group chat, we'll then you can hear all about it exactly. on Twitter. We'll give you yes. the full scoop. Okay, so for today's deep question, ladies, just as your adventure on New Year's Eve stuck in your mind, I want to know what other moments from last year stayed with you. From the serious to the hilarious, what was your number one moment of excellence from 2015? Donna? Uh, When I think of a moment of excellence, it's like I envisioned myself on a podium, accepting an award, and thanking baby Jesus, my mom. (laughs) sure whether I had like a shining moment of excellence but one thing that I was really proud about was my commitment to fitness last year the reason why I'm really proud of it is because never in my life in my 22 years on this earth have I <laughs> <laughs> how, how many 22 huh? how many okay. years so you kind of <laughs> focusing on the small details <laughs> Never have I been able to commit to working out or anything fitness related for more than two weeks 
or maybe a month. So last year, I feel like my mindset was one where I just wouldn't make any excuses. I know that I hate the gym, so I hired a personal trainer. My attitude in the beginning, it stunk. Just had the whole Napoleon Dynamite attitude. Like if my trainer would ask me to do something, I'd be like, gosh, why do I always have to run? You know, just, <laughs> just had this really negative Debbie Downer vibe about it. And within two months of consistently working out, like I still was dragging my feet, but he had me, he gave me a pep talk and had me watch a few inspirational YouTube videos. And I realized part of what had me in such a slump was just my self-talk. It was all wrong. So like I would have to I would have to be my own cheerleader. So my self-talk went from Napoleon Dynamite to I sounded something like you guys know DJ Khaled. Have you ever watched his <laughs> another one? <laughs> his, his, no. his Snapchat. Have you guys ever watched his Snapchat? You're smart. You're very smart. We the best. You a genius. I appreciate you. You loyal. I changed a lot. You can too. Win, 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 no matter what. You started talking to me in that exactly. rapidly So boy. my self talk was like DJ Colin. Did, did a pep talk turn into a pep rally? <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I feel like that really helped change my whole approach towards it. So I went from seeing the personal trainer to going out to the gym on my own. So out of the year, I committed a good six months to working out consistently. And I feel like with every single day, if you choose to wake up earlier than normal, to dedicate time and energy into fitness, into feeling good, into investing in your body, it, it really did change my whole outlook. I like that, Donna. I like that a lot. Very motivational. Yes. You're you're making me already intention in my head 2016. Six months straight, right? That's what we're going to do? Six months. We're going to do it together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I, I do have to give you guys some credit. What you guys don't know is that part of what motivated me was when we went away in 2000, I think it was 2011, my personal trainer, he asked me, what is the reason that you're working out? And first of all, I said, I want to be toned. But another thing is I remember 2011, I went on a birthday trip with my friends and the goal was to ride a, bridge, a, a bike across the San Francisco Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. Mm -hmm. There you go. And I was so out of shape that I could not complete the task. And that always stuck out in my mind because I'm like, there's no reason why I can't set out to do something, explore the world, try out new experiences because I'm not fit enough. So that <laughs> I kind of owe to you guys. I'm good. <laughs> that was part of my motivation. And I ended the year hiking. <clears throat> we did a seven mile hike. Okay. And I was able to complete it. So that it made me feel like all those months that I put in of working out, I got a, a reward. It was being able to bond with y'all and, and do something new, something exciting. That's great. What about you, Adnika? I would say that my moment of excellence was when I was getting my award from the Academy. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. I, I give up. I can't okay, all right. Well, you know, I, you know, maybe I need to do like a gratitude jar this year and really try to be mindful of things as they happen because as I'm trying to recall something, I can't really recall. So uh, I would say one of the, the moments where I was most proud of myself was when I went to Guatemala in August and I got lost, stranded, but somehow, <laughs> somehow, by, by the grace of God and ba baby Jesus, I was able to <laughs> to find my way back and I live to tell. So that was, <laughs> that was, that was my moment of excellence for 2015.
And what about you, Sophia? I feel my moment of excellence in 2015 was my job transition. Yay! That's true. Uh, hand clap, hand clap. Actually, <laughs> 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 yes, because I feel I had to put more value on myself and know that I need to work with people who respected and valued me for what I was able to bring to the table and who helped me grow professionally and personally. And so, just environment-wise, I know I need to be in a better place and find my happiness. In the work I'm doing, I'm passionate about early education. I'm passionate about making differences in the community, and so I want to feel that every day. I'm not going to a job where I'm always feeling upset when I'm doing something that I love. So I'm glad that I'm able to work in a space where people appreciate what's coming out of your brain. They help massage your brain and bring out the best in you. And so I'm in a space where I'll know I'll grow professionally, and it's a stepping ladder for bigger and better things, and it's bringing better things out of me. Because get this, I don't mind going to work on the weekend. That's not the American dream, but uh, I know I'm in a good space, and so that's excellence for me. Yay! I'm glad you feel that way. I yes. know that was really important for you. Yes. Well, for me, creativity has always been a passion of mine. From when I was a itty bit little kid with the first buds of entrepreneur spirit, who decided she was going to write these these short stories and sell it to her classmates for their lunch money. <laughs> And then got some angry parents to come visit me to say, what the what? <laughs> you need to give them their money back. Um, <laughs> but over the years, I sort of lost that motivation to continue to create and to build things and put it out in the world. And so for me, my number one moment of excellence from last year was getting this podcast with you ladies off the ground. Like this has been one of the most creative things I've ever been involved in. It's got me in constant conversations with you all and really do my research and making sure I'm on point when I'm talking about things, especially the politics talk, the news talk. It's not just like spitting out things I hear, but also really thinking about it critically and deeply. But beyond that, there are a lot of things that happen in the background that's led me to be even more creative, to pick up skills I never even thought possible prior to doing this. So for me, that's been a really, really big goal achieved. And I look forward to, to what else I'm going to learn and discover about myself as we continue on this journey. Aww. So thank you, ladies, for sharing. <laughs> I'm going to gonna pass the ball thank on to... Thank you for being with us, PJ. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm so glad to be here <laughs> in, the, in the group chat pad. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm definitely gonna pass on the ball now to Adelike. Uh, she's going to. She's gonna take over the sizzle. Welcome to the sizzle, where it ain't hot unless we're talking about it. So today, I'm gonna be talking about blackness on campus. Over the last three or four months, we've heard so much about how students on college campuses across the country have been rising up and demanding their space on campus and demanding their right to be appreciated for themselves and to not be discriminated against. And throughout the whole conversation, I was kind of scratching my head because I'm like, well... I went to a pretty diverse school. I went to school in New York City. The experiences that those students 
had was not necessarily an experience that I had. And then I had to think to myself, well, if I were at a predominantly white institution, would I have the same type of reaction? Would I be on the front lines with these students? It just seemed like such a foreign type of experience for me. And then most recently, I heard about what was happening at Brooklyn Tech, where students either participating in or separate from the Black Student Union have been talking about a lot of racial discrimination that's been happening at Brooklyn Tech and how students have been disregarded not just by faculty, but also by other students. Brooklyn Tech has roughly about 8% or less than, less than 10% of the student population is black. And so this is a diversity, New York City, and yet these are the issues that students are dealing with in this day and age. And so it kind of brought everything back home to me. And I want to open it up to you all. What was your experience on campus, either in college or in high school? Would you say that it mirrors the, the grievances that students have been talking about, whether they're at Missouri, whether they're at Yale, whether they're at the various campuses across the country that have been getting national attention because of the systemic racial issues that have been brought to bear around the country. So I'll start with you, PJ. Well, in terms of high school, I went to a very diverse high school, if you want to call it that. I went to a private all-girls high school, and so I joke about the diversity. There were no boys. <laughs> but hey, I felt very much at home amongst my girls. And in terms of the cultures represented, I went to school with a lot of kids from the Caribbean, the West Indies. I felt very much at home in that space. And with respect to the faculty and the teachers, they were probably a more diverse group. We had some black teachers, we had Caucasian teachers, teachers from all over the world. And I never felt anything but a sense of nourishment encouragement from them. They opened my world up to a lot of opportunities to let me succeed ever since I left that school. So like you, I was devastated to go through this hashtag Black in Brooklyn Tech because it's so hard to think to be at that age when you're still growing and trying to find who you are or to determine who you are and to hear people from the top who are supposed to be creating this environment that's like a second home to you beating you down mm -hmm. or to even hear fellow students yep. doing that i couldn't even imagine that at Catherine macaulay someone would have gotten taken to task suspended for a day or two so for me it was disheartening in terms of college after leaving macaulay i went to nyu and again now i don't know if it's maybe more how i see myself i'm the type of person who can be really comfortable in any environment i went into that school knowing exactly what i wanted to get out of that school I was there for the academics. I was a lot younger than most of the people around me. I already felt like I stood out. So I'm not really sure anyone else could have made me feel like I stood out even more. And so the color thing wasn't something that maybe I took to heart. And I really can't think of experiences where I felt that, where I felt like someone was coming at me with one of those, or oh, you're, you know, I don't know, you're here because of affirmative action. I wasn't. And I could trace that back. Right. <laughs> or, oh, wait, you work at a bank and you're going to school. Oh, how did you make that happen because you're black? Again, I could trace that back and it had nothing to do with that. Donna, what about you? I went to Midwood High School. I went to a city college. Lehman. Both school settings were very diverse. I never experienced anything like some of the statements that I saw on the hashtag. Black and Brooklyn Tech? Yes. I, I was appalled. One of the things that I read was one of the students shared you're going to end up like Sandra Bland, 
Is your name Shanene or Laquisha? What? You don't look like someone on the math team. And this one, which really had me feeling some kind of way, was why don't you keep your hair straight all the time? Black hair is ugly. I did read that one. I read that, I read one. that one. That yeah. one. And <laughs> I, I just couldn't imagine being in an educational setting where these kids are supposed to be smart. <laughs> but apparently not. I don't know. I don't know if they're smart, but that smart. they took the test and then they either had test prep or they were in some other way prepared to take the exam. I don't know that it is an aptitude test. I mean, you can be intelligent but ignorant at the same time. Exactly, um, because of yeah. lack of exposure. Right. And what it made me think about is the bubbles that we operate in. Even when we do go to diverse schools, sometimes but the they're brown, traveling the from Brooklyn people, to get to Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know if they're traveling the same way you're you're thinking of. But I don't you know, can like, travel and still live in a bubble. But I think that you know, as far as the bubble conversation and the the faux diversity, mm-hmm. I, I I think I was being a little tongue in cheek initially when I was talking about the diversity of New York City because mm-hmm. it's a very segregated city. It's so segregated. exactly. So um, you were to be like, oh my gosh, how does this happen here? <laughs> well, of course it happens here because it our is so. Is very yeah, it is very very segregated. Well, so it's that, not surprising people, to me. People stick to it's true. You kind of stick to your cultures even where you live. Just take a bus through Brooklyn or through Queens, and as you pass like certain lines, it's a different group. Right. And this is their neighborhood. Right. Definitely no fault or offense to anyone. It's how it's worked out. But yeah, not surprised that people live in their own bubbles. They do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's just worked out that way. I feel like there are definitely policies, some zoning policies that ensure that things stay the same. With the type of job that I do, I may go to a school and I know that five blocks from the school there's a housing project, right? All the schools from the housing project go to one school. Two blocks away, there are people who are making millions of dollars and they don't go to the same school as the people in the housing projects. And those are zoning laws and, and, and certain parents and certain factions of parents fight very hard to keep those school zones intact. Yes. in order to recreate and reproduce the same type of segregation that we see. So right. it's definitely not, I don't think it just happened. It's definitely mm-hmm. intentional. Sophia, what was your experience? So both high school and also on the college campus. Well, I can say that with my college and high school experience, it's pretty diverse in a sense that New York City has some pieces of diversity. I went to school in District 2 in Manhattan, which is considered one of the best public school districts to go to a school in. And in my high school experience, I would say that it was kind of cliquish, where it did feel like some of the Black and Latino kids hung out with each other, the Asian kids kind of hung out with each other. But don't you feel that's every school, though? Yeah, that's every school, but there was some intermingling. Everybody hung out with everybody, but you knew who were the people that really hung out with each other. In college, it was just one big Betty. Betty kind of hung out with each other. So in that sense, I never really felt some kind of way. I never had the experience where I had to like necessarily always fight for my right. There were other issues outside of color that I had to deal with in just general high school or college behaviors. I would say the real difference I kind of felt was when I went to grad school, where I was probably the lone person of minority that was, that was actually African-American. For 
versus other international students. So in a, in a sea of white counterparts, I was the only one in that classroom that was a person of color. But I, I can say that as an older individual, that I see it more predominantly. In the kids that you're speaking of, PJ, I lived in my own bubble where my parents kind of sheltered me from seeing the things maybe that I should have felt or saw because they protected me from that, I guess, in a way. Because they advocated for me a lot in my in my educational experience. So any time that I used to confront, like, oh, this administrator or this student is making me feel some kind of way, they dealt with the situation for me. So I never had to really like confront, fight, right. fight and confront um, on my own. But as an older person, I see it more predominantly as as an educator. I I see it, and I, I definitely want to help reduce it. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Not one of you said whether you would be on the front lines with these kids and what you would be doing if you were in that space. But I will take that. I as, am. No. I feel like these I, kids these days yeah. live in a different environment than we did way back then. Way I back then. Was social media as active? Because right. I'm saying the way people are being active yes, today, there's Twitter so many avenues. When I was going to NYU, if something like that had happened and I hadn't been able to deal with it myself, which most things I dealt with myself, like I let people know when you cross me, there are people I could go to. It would have been like smaller steps. Would I have been at the front lines? I think it would depend on the situation. I just know at my time, that avenue wasn't available, that ease to connect with everyone. It was more of a one-on-one, -on -one, like who did you know, who were you talking to type of a situation. All right, quick go around with you. Um, in college, I don't see myself on the physical front lines. I wouldn't necessarily be congregating with other students. The Would reason... you burn your bra? Burn <laughs> 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 my bra. Different, different, different. That was a different, different, different movement, different decade, different protests. You said, "Would you burn your bra?" Um, I wouldn't because I was always working in college. Um, so I was. So you were, you were too busy to protest. No, and I also went to college in the Bronx. I lived in Brooklyn, so it was difficult for me to participate in clubs because like I'd always be looking at my watch like if I leave at five I'll be getting home seven or six thirty so I didn't always have the time and again I would work a lot so for me getting through college getting decent grades was a priority I don't know that I, I'd be protesting okay. or protest into that I probably would say my piece on social media and Sophia, would you be on the front line? I'm a different person from when I was a child. Mm -hmm. So discovering myself, I probably would not have been on the front lines as much. I was more worried about academics and my grades. And to be honest, I was young, so partying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at that time, I guess my my mind frame wasn't there. But as a, as someone now, I admire the energy of these young people and, and, the, and the fire that they have within themselves to buck the system. Mm -hmm. I would definitely be on the front lines. Unequivocally, I would say that now I participate in protests now. Yes, you do. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> she said with some shade. I would no, say, no, no, just say it. Unequivocally, unequivocally. I agree, I do see her. But I thank you all for your perspectives. Yes, um, nice. You know, we, we didn't know each I'm other in high honest. school. And maybe I would have dragged y'all onto the front lines in high school. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But thank you for sharing your perspective. And I will turn it over to Donna. I can't even because I literally can't even with online dating. 
<laughs> my first crack at online dating was 2001 with blackplanet.com. So you would have been about eight at that time? <laughs> <laughs> you was one of the little fast girls. <laughs> check out each other's pages, browse, single brothers. So yeah, that was my first experience and I loved it. So 2014, I jumped back into the whole single pond. So I said, you know what, let me create an online profile just so that I can get comfortable with the idea of dating other people. So I had to figure out which website I wanted to create a profile on and there's just so many dating sites. You have eHarmony, for my West Indians, you have Caribbean Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> there's JamaicanDating.com. What? At a page you, there's Niger Planet. No, there is not. <laughs> yes, there is. There is. And of course, the ones that everyone knows, the Tinders. Um, there's even websites for people who love pets. PetPeopleMeet.com. There's LittlePeopleMeet.com, Asian Day, any and everything, okay, that you can imagine. There's a subcategory for a dating profile. <laughs> so I chose <laughs> people with three eyes. <laughs> um, I ended up choosing PlentyOfFish.com because I felt like a lot of the, the other websites, they were real shallow. They would just ask you one or two questions and then boom, you have a profile, like what kind of topics you like on your pizza. And based off of that, they connect you with people. So I felt like Plenty of Fish had a more in-depth set of questions. So I was ready to go, ready to meet some interesting bachelors. Met a tall, dark, and handsome brother. Ooh. So we connected, great conversation. We sat down and talked for hours. I was like, oh my goodness. I think I remember this story. Yes, because yes. you remember how it ended, right? Yes. The person called you to talk about it. And we talked, we connected, we talked about everything. Everything? About everything. <laughs> so he asked me to add him on Facebook. I added him on Facebook, browsed through his profile at the end of the day, and I saw a kid. I'm like, wait a minute. He didn't let me know that he had a child, so I called him the next day. I said, listen, if you have a child, I would have appreciated it if you told me from the jump. He said, what, what, well, um, I, I don't just have one, one child. <laughs> he said he had two, oh, three, oh. four. Oh. This man stopped at five. And how old was he? He was about 31. And so from that point on, I just, I couldn't even with plenty of fish. I couldn't even with online dating. So you, you connected with him on us. A high level, what does the five kids have to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking this question. He made time to sit down with you. I know. And but talk about all the things that you have in common. But my thing is, if you can't share that is part of your world, that's deceptive. But after the first date, I can understand after. It wasn't even on his profile. Like, I feel like that's. It, it's just, I, I feel like a lot of single parents, I'm assuming he was a single parent and not married as well. A lot of single parents, they didn't tend to take their time. I mean, it's not advisable. I would recommend probably telling the person you're On day one, yeah. Not date one. But, like, see if you actually make it through, I don't know, three dates. See if the connection is more than just that one date. Well, what do you think? That one do you hit wonder on your first date. Think close on date one whether he has a litter of children. <laughs> a litter? <laughs> a litter? <laughs> well... <laughs> 
Okay, well, I think that definitely because of how you met him, it was probably deceptive that he didn't include it on his profile in the first place, right? Because often often that would be a factor that you would filter your searches mm, through. Right. And so the fact that he didn't include it there was quite interesting. However, he asked you to add him on Facebook. Thus and therefore, of course, he knows that you're going to go through his profile and look through his pictures, et cetera, et cetera. So was that his way of sort of, right. to sort of implicitly telling you that right. he had without kids? Telling without you. telling you that he had but kids? But it's not apparent. Like, there isn't an uh, album that says maybe number one, two, three, four, and five. Like, I, you have to look for clues. I don't think you need an album. The clues are, can be pretty clear once someone gets on your Facebook. My issue is children are a big part of especially all five of them. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of your life. <laughs> all five of them. Right. <laughs> if you're getting to know someone, wouldn't you want them to know? I'm surprised he has time to come out life. and like sit down with you and have you have with a long time for hours and hours. Hours. Approximately, what was the age range, if you recall? From three years old to I believe seventeen. Mm. Oh Lord! Mm-hmm. Right, mm. so it wasn't even like a season in his life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just like. That's For just his life. life. The last, like, yeah, it was a lifestyle. Would you guys... But did he, did he say he had different women? Yes. Five children, five baby moms. That was oh, oh, what you think? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so you were probably also oh, thinking the five baby exactly. moms is not right, It felt like he felt madly in love and just... Oh, so yeah. it wasn't like he was married and then right, he was no, like this thing and then he got divorced. Different states. Like, oh. he was busy. So out of the websites I named, could you guys see yourselves doing online dating? Yes, I think that I'm kind of like an itinerant online dater. It becomes a chore after a while. (laughs) If my mother's listening, she'll know that one of the things that she's threatened me about is sending a profile to Oprah and having Oprah hook me up. (laughs) Because she wants to help me. My mother wants to help me, and so her way of helping me is to send my information to Oprah, to have Auntie Oprah, you know what I'm saying? Get Bless, you Yes, yes. Ordain and, and just, like, anoint the situation. So, yeah, I do, I, I'm, like, kind of in and out. I'm not, like, a fully committed person to the online dating process, but I'm in and out. But would you ever go on, let's say, for instance, Bay.com? Probably not. I will probably stick to more of the established ones. But, like, as far as the apps, the Tinders, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I'm saying yet, you know, because I have, a, I have a growth mindset, so I don't know, I don't know what's to come. Well, as most of you know, I've been pushing back. I come from the age where there were no online programs to kind of uh, find your mate. Most of the people that I've met in my life and the relationships that I've been in is because I met them with things I was doing out and about. Being present, going outside, socializing, running, skiing, whatever. I met them in that sphere. It's about having that connection with somebody, meeting that eye to eye. I see you, you see me, we talk, that type of thing. For me, it feels so much better. And I know there's hope because two people related to me met there. One is getting, one is is engaged, and the other person's already married with baby. Met their significant others on the train. Maybe I need to stop listening to my iPod while I'm on the train or... And maybe you need to look up from your iPod and when the boys come dancing... One of them could be your future mister. So how much you like to dance. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to do very much, but I just feel like just knowing that I have friends or people in my sphere who've met people by doing regular things in their lives. I still want that.
But I would be open to there's something called some maybe a matchmaker maybe because there's something called Lesbian mm. Lunch, like a Patty Stanger. Yeah, but not as mean as her. <laughs> but you know, you not as mean as her. And you I have to change my I have to change my hair color and do all this. No person who really likes you likes you as you are, and they're intrigued by what you're able to bring to the table by what you look like. But some people so do need a makeover because they're not taking care of themselves. But now I know I'm on point. So. <laughs> But then, Sophia, why do we dress up on first dates? Why don't you just roll up on there with your... Oh, what do you want? Know? What do you want? Know? Yeah. Oh, oh, just roll up. Because, because know, there are some things that are... Some people are inherent with and they, they know better. I call it common sense. They know better. But I'm saying, if you walk around better. in these in regular life, why why, need, no, why no. do you need to dress no. for a first date? No, but listen. No, you can still dress comfortable casual. You can still dress... Um, dress comfortable casual just don't look like you just rolled out of bed and said i think i'm gonna go on a date today it doesn't work like that i wouldn't mind doing let's do lunch basically it's for people who are really busy professional executives they have a matchmaker you have time for a quick hour 30 minute lunch you go out you meet somebody try to connect over over lunch over coffee you see if it's good if it's not if someone connect you with that person based off of things that you like don't like and it's real simple and of course possibly you have to pay for that but in a way, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have somebody who knows my needs and what I'm looking for and set me up with somebody that I could have like a lunch or an afternoon with versus me looking online and all that stuff. And How dare you have to look online? <laughs> <laughs> you should the just nerve. come to me. Prince Trump should just land on my doorstep. No, the nerve of them. Why, why should Sophie have to look online? Exactly. I think some of us are more interested in doing it the old-fashioned way, yes. meeting someone in our natural setting, whereas... Some of us are okay with logging onto a website and finding love through that way. No, but Google know. it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll share our point of views. Now we're going to bring it over to Sophia with the wrap up. money will you make or save? So I started to do some research on things that we can do to better ourselves. Make better Sophias. Make better PJs. (laughs) (laughs) Why better Sophias only? (laughs) I found on Time Magazine Online, in partnership with Inc., 10 small things you can do every day to get smarter. They said, intelligence is a work in progress. Maximize yours with these simple habits. And some of those included, be smarter about your online time. So, sometimes put down that phone. Put down that laptop. And make a did list. Pause to list not the things you have yet to do, but rather all the things you've already accomplished. I call it my ta-da list. <laughs> ah, there you great. go, PJ. There That's you cute. go. And read a lot, which is something that Donna also talked about. Um, in our own personal conversations. Make some good choices in some book reading, right? Another thing I found was Six Hard Things to Do in 2016 by Inc. So things like listen more intently, stop dominating every conversation. The shape of it all. Oh my gosh. Admit your mistakes. <laughs> what did I do? 
healthy anger vibe. <laughs> she looking at you again. She looking at me again. Wow. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And this is going to turn from a group chat into group therapy. <laughs> Buzzfeed has also some really funny gifts for those seventeen resolutions you actually want to keep, and some other areas of growth. On for Harriet, she provides seven life coaches every Black woman should know. So things like retraining your mind to adapt to new ways of thinking, reaffirming your personal and professional goals, life coaches in areas of reinvention, relationships, lifestyle, and business. But the most important thing that I would love to do in 2016 is travel. Thank you, Travel Noir, for providing five ways to travel more without leaving your work. So that's something that I've been really thinking about. And get some inspiration by taking a look at Cool Young History, which are young newlyweds who document their travels on a two-year honeymoon. I've never heard of that, but I'll gladly take it. <laughs> and definitely check out 52 Places to Go in 2016 by the New York Times Reader's Choice. Travels by readers captured on their Instagram. So, ladies, I've shared some ideas and things that um, lists that we can look at, but I want you to give me some new things that we can work on or not work on in 2016 and beyond. BJ? Well, I thought we started strong today when we did our, our little group volunteering thing. Donna, Nika, and I mm -hmm. volunteered with a wonderful organization called Calvary's Mission. And we not only helped to prepare the uh, different food packages that would be given out to those in need of it, mm -hmm. but we were also part of actually giving it to the people who we felt very much were regulars. Like they trusted the organization, that just judging by the way people would greet each other by name, ask about their families. So I, I would love to do more, more initiatives like that throughout the year. I volunteer more of my time and resources where I can. I think it was a great way to bond with the girls. Aw, that's really yeah. good. I didn't get it. Yeah, we woke up butt crack early today. <laughs> and, um, At that ungodly hour for every morning. It must have been smelling. But I would say that even though it was dark when we woke up, it was dark when we were walking to the train station and... Um, there was definitely light at the end of the tunnel. It was a very rewarding experience, and mm -hmm. it was very good, as PJ said, to be of service to others mm -hmm. and to to just kind of have a sense of humility and to to really connect with people. Because one of the things that I found on the receiving line was the people were not just there for food, but there were some people who were like, how are you doing today? How was your New Year's? Like they were engaging in conversation as they were going along the line. And so that also brought it back home. And I thought it was it was a nice way to just to connect with people in, in a meaningful way. Yes, uh, yeah, I second that. I didn't expect to be impacted by the work we did. I didn't expect to be impacted to the extent that I was. It was overwhelming to see the, the, um, the need Right? There were so many people that needed the service of the food pantry. And the thing that surprised me, there were people waiting outside from about five something in the morning up until nine o'clock. And the gentleman that let us know about the project, he was saying that sometimes they feed about a thousand people. 
So it just makes you think about how truly blessed that you are and how much that you have that you can give to other people who are in need. So not only was it something beautiful that, you know, made me appreciative of what I have and what I can give, but it was a bonding experience, something that we can do together. And we did talk about making it not a, a once in a lifetime thing, but for us to go out there regularly, maybe once a month or once every other month, just to continue to donate our time to that cause. So definitely enjoyed it. That's one of the things that I want to continue to do in 2016. Really good, guys. I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to share in that moment with you and next time I will but maybe I'll get there around 8 a.m. so you will be you will be locked out the door because oh, okay. <laughs> it is I mean it really is a really well-oiled machine the gate is open from 9 to 10 and basically at 10 the gate closes and really? it starts oh, wow. into the cleanup so the cleanup and, and you know any kind of excess so they're, food. they're at 5 a.m ready to go people okay. are there yeah i mean because before that we were pre preparing the packages we were doing the apples first donna had the bags we had we had a little system going a little um, assembly line. yes we, de we definitely had an assembly line going we had some ogs who were with us <laughs> no, they were. <laughs> we had some OGs like they, they put us to work. Yes, they yes, put us they to work. Put us to put work. Put us to work, and but just were really, really efficient. Donna couldn't get the bags open quick enough for her to pack the bags and wrap the bags. She was like, "Here you go, tie the bags." Exactly. So we, we we just try to get in where we fit in today, and no, I really believe in this type of work because um, I used to actually work with an organization, and we got in community and like around Thanksgiving, I used to help with the food pantries and waking up early in the morning and things like that. And I know sometimes I need to get back into that because um, I see online and through all my other friends' activities, they're really doing a lot around the holidays. When you have so much, it's important that you have to remember people who don't have as much as you and yeah but it's not just exclusive to the holiday season no no so i'm saying yeah, but yeah. just i'm just thinking of that like while you're enjoying your time with your family sometimes i feel i do feel a little bit of guilt that you know that i'm not able to just take some time out and do something for others sometimes well, and I think that's what my family that's have a great opportunity because kevin the person who is he's a manager, manager of operations, operations. Mm -hmm. shout out to kevin yes <laughs> kevin we have um, fun he actually invited us out on his birthday and what he wants to do is have a group of people go out into corona and hand out blankets to homeless people. So there there's an opportunity for you. <laughs> oh, there's an opportunity, Sophia. And I feel like nudge nudge. Yeah. Yeah. And also what I realized in the new year is continuing to take care of yourself and the things that you want to do better in your life. Things you want to just improve overall. And so that's what I'm gonna continue working on and continue to give of myself like my sisters here and making sure that we are making a positive impact on this earth while we're still alive so that is the end of our podcast thank you for listening you can find a lot of the links and topics that i spoke about and you can also find our other conversations on twitter at this is group chat get in on the conversation by following hashtag new year new you on soundcloud Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our WordPress blog at This Is Group Chat. Today's music is courtesy of Jay Davis. You can follow his Instagram at J A Y P G M I. And our jazz 
outro by Super Lori Brothers on iTunes. Ta-ta! Thank you, everyone! Bye-bye! Au revoir! Until next time.